that wasn't so bad, was it? Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good evening, I'm Seth Hoster, you're locked up the Mile High Hockey Podcast for April 3rd, 2017. Coming up on the show, the Avs play a tribute to the best game of the season, new arrivals are here just in time, and looking ahead to the final week of the year. And we answer more of your questions, but before we put the whoosh, time to introduce our disembodied voices once again. I am joined, as always, by Earl 6 Hey, Earl. Hello. And as usual, by Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. Howdy. Before we run it down, a quick note, we're recording this week's episode at Noon Mountain on Sunday, so whatever happened in the Minnesota game that everyone's talking about hasn't happened yet. Sorry. And another quick note, everyone's been a big fan of the Q&A segment we finally had ammunition for last week, and if you have questions for the podcast, leave them in the weekend open thread the day of recording. Uh, More details on that later. On Monday, Avs lose to the Calgary Flames 4-2. Colorado fell behind early, and two third-period goals from Sven Andrighetto were not enough to stage a comeback. Then on Wednesday, Avs drop a fun game to watch against the Washington Capitals 5-3. Miko Ranton and Matt Nieto and Nathan McKinnon got on the board, but ultimately the team were just outclassed, as might be expected, um, when it's 1 versus 31. And finally, on Friday, Colorado officially kicked off the Tyson-Jost era with a solid win over the St. Louis Blues, even though it did take a shootout to do it, 2-1. If you can and you haven't, going back to watch the second and third period and overtime of this game is highly recommended. It was the Avs' best effort of the season by my eye as they outshot St. Louis 25-10 in the final 40. Then in overtime, Calvin Pickard said, this isn't even my final form, and stonewalled several grade A-plus chances. Really entertaining game. Neither Avalanche goal was scored by Tyson Jost, but JT Comfer got one, as did Duchesne and McKinnon in the shootout win. But aside from all the excitement of the 0.33 repeating standing points per game, the real story this week is Tyson Jost. He joined the team on Friday from North Dakota, playing on a line with friggin' Como and Bork, and he looked comfortable to me immediately. So give me your Jost takes. I, I think he was a little nervous in the first period, but... Um... And he admitted that after the game, but after he settled in, I, I thought he looked right at home in the NHL. Yeah, I was. Uh, I told these guys before we started that I missed about the first period, which turned out to be a blessing, but uh, it looked very comfortable from the second period on. I mean, uh, you notice when he was on the ice, and that doesn't always happen for rookies, even when you're looking for him. Yeah, I mean, what he was doing defensively, you know, being responsible and all that, that's not something that we've really seen a lot from rookies. Um, you know, Comfer at first was okay, and he, he's getting a, a lot better very quickly. Um, you know, Miko's always kind of struggled in the defensive zone, but Jost came in, and right away you could tell that, you know, he, he thinks about the game 200 feet rather than just you know, trying to go for it. Right. You could tell he's comes from a good college program, just like Comfer did. I mean, he's been uh, trained in the right way to play hockey trained in the right way to play hockey that's a interesting way to put it but i like it <laughs> yeah um you know i i, th- I you know I, I think it's great to end the season this way with six games of that um it, it it really gave a good look into what we could have going next year if things go our way um you know there, there's some hope there 
Right. It won't be perfect, but you're starting to see like, oh, this is, you know, top six talent playing in the top six. Finally, you know, you're not Renee Borking your way to, you know, some sort of half-assed lineup. And uh, that, you know, makes me tune in. <laughs> I'm much more interested in watching for the rest of the year. And uh, I'll look forward to next year as well for that reason. Yeah, and I, I thought it was nice to see that the coaches kind of stuck with Joe's to gave him more and more responsibility and, you know, let him shoot in the shootout after, I mean, right, that was a he cool had half a practice going into that game. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, Bedner was pretty upfront about it. He's like, you know, someone asked him why he, he put Joe's in the shootout. He's like, I wanted to see him shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer, coach. <laughs> But why yeah. the hell not? I mean, you know, playing in the National Hockey League is about playing under pressure, you know, for contracts and fan adulation and for winning. And I mean, there's pressure involved. So see how he handles it. Yeah. You know, see the look on his face when you call his name and he has to climb over the, you know, and take a big shot in the shootout his first game. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was a great moment. Yeah. I mean, Dutch scored on the first shot. So that, you know, there was a there was a cushion there. It wasn't like, oh, the game's on a stick right now. Right, um, but it could have been a game winner, and that would have been the true yeah. Joe sitting, but not quite. But but he was right. I mean, you know, he wanted to see him shoot. We all wanted to see him shoot. So do it. His uh, his attempt was a little bit uh, yeah, kind of Landeskogish, but a little plain Jane. Yeah, but but that's all right. He'll uh. I'm sure he'll develop something better than that for the future. Well, we also kind of sandwiched him right in between Duchesne and McKinnon, who are about the opposite end of that. Oh, and McKinnon's was dope. I mean, did you guys see uh, AJ's AJ Hayfley's like four tweet explanation of that shot? Yeah, yeah, Where, uh, it was great. You know, the the book on Mac is he's going to go high glove hand every time, and he, you know, he's probably staring right at at uh, Allen's glove hand the whole time and went <laughs> five hole. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we win. I mean, that's the evolution of a you know a player that's been in the league for four years because he's not trying to outfancy everybody every time he goes. Th- we haven't seen a lot of shootout attempts this year, but yeah. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of record of the past that indicates that he's looking to make about 68 moves in one half of a second in order to get the shot he wants. Yeah, you know, whereas somebody like Milan Hayduke in the last couple of years just kind of looked the right way and shot the other way and you know got it in half the time. Really effective, yeah. veteran move. So, um, I'm really curious to see um, who Tyson Jost plays with tonight against the Adjectives. Whether it's still, um, you know, the the leftovers, or if he actually gets a chance to maybe slot in. Up and down, and maybe with uh, with some better guys. And he spent some. He did spend some time with Matt Nieto, who is still who is still just kind of okay. But I mean, he's he's no Bork or Como. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was maybe give him some Gregorinko time. I mean, get, give him a couple of shifts on a wing with McKinnon or Duchesne. I mean, just see. Not not that you want to play Tyson Jost at wing, but just to see what he does with higher talent. Yeah. Go for it. What are you going to lose? I, More standings points? Ha, 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 He did play a lot with Nieto in that game. And I, I said halfway through the game, like, you know, 
put Grigorenko in Bork's place and see what happens. You know, I, as much as I dislike Bork, he is good on the forecheck. He can't do anything with the puck, but he can tie the guys up and <laughs> make it such that someone else can come collect the puck and maybe do something productive with it. He's a very selfless player in that way. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, you kind of have to make up for him a lot in the defensive zone, but he is a good forechecker. No, 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 no. You guys do it. <laughs> you take this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see about 48 different line combinations in these remaining five games. Uh, Jared Bednar's definitely, uh, you know, shown a penchant for demonstrating a lot of different lineups. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see them all. Well, Not to be a Debbie Downer here, but what about Duchesne in that game? <laughs> other other yeah. than the shootout did Duchesne, goal. Did Duchesne play? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely saw him make a lot of soft plays. Who, Shane? But, yeah, I mean, other than a shootout goal, he was awful. Right. Uh, I, that's the most disinterested I've seen him play so far um, and for it to be in that game a game which could only have possibly been more exciting if it had mattered that's just dis- <laughs> that's really discouraging yeah. it is really discouraging I, I really hope we hear news at the end of the season that he has a lingering injury or something um, and, and if he does quit playing him right go get it fixed make him yeah. as likely as possible to pass a physical next season after you probably trade him at the draft mm-hmm yeah, yeah just, it's just really been disappointing. Uh, if this is like really his last five games in an Avalanche uniform, I'm kind of bummed out. He's yeah. been my favorite player for a long time. Same here, and he's really like done his part to sour everyone's opinion on the way out with this. Like, he, he doesn't he have fewer points in 2017 with the Avalanche than Sven Andergetto at this point? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, give me a break. I think the really bad thing about it is, you know, obviously everybody had a lot of energy. Like, you know, Max Line was flying. You know, Comfer had a fantastic game. He was the best player on the ice. Easily. Um, and it just, it, Matt didn't feel, feed off that. You know, he's just sort of same old kind of cruising at 60%. And, and that's just, I don't know, that's, that's disturbing. Yeah, we've heard rumors of, you know, Landeskog having lingering injuries that will probably take care of themselves in the offseason, but uh, Duchesne kind of looks the same way. He's got moments in there, but otherwise he's just not, uh, doesn't look like the 100% Matt Duchesne we've been watching for the past seven years. Yeah, I mean, I, st- I watched him gather the puck right at the Avs blue line, and he couldn't outskate somebody. I mean, doesn't matter who it was. He should be able to outskate just about anyone. Just about anybody. He doesn't quite have that same sort of like, you know, lower body power to gain separation and, uh, you know, move himself away from defenders. It's, yeah, again, it's just not the same player we're used to. Yeah, I don't know. And and AJ said he was joking around with everybody in the locker room afterwards. Maybe kind of took some time and thought about it. And maybe, you know, he can be a little bit less mopey today. <laughs> yep. I think a, a better indication of, you know, some of these things that we're alleging here might come from the next game. You know, what do you look like when you kind of see some good young players come up that could be a part of your season next year, whether or not you're a part of it? Yeah. Uh, what kind of attitude do you bring? Yeah, I mean, he could look at it like Jost has taken his job, though, so I could see that could, you know, that, that could be bumming him out, but... Yep. Well, that's, like, uh, oh, that's, that's new that's golden his, boy. That, that used is to be me. totally Duchesne's decision, though. 
I mean, yeah. he can't take your job if you hang on to it. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And if you're demonstrating that you're worthwhile on this team, you know, you could still convince the front office that you should be a part of it. <laughs> I mean, that ship has not sailed. And I mean, we, we have to qualify all of this with none of us are in the room and none of us are Matt Duchesne, so we don't know if he's got some kind of lingering knee tweak or something, which would totally destroy what Matt du- Duchesne's game is. But Absolutely. This is just what we could see. Could be. Yeah. Could be toughing it out, doing the hockey player thing. You remember a couple weeks ago he slammed into the boards with his knee and, and looked pretty ginger for a couple shifts after that. So I'm, I'm still thinking back a couple of months ago he got a skate caught in a rut and went down all funky. And then, I mean, he's had a couple of things that could tweak a knee this year. Yeah. And then, and then none of that could be going on. He could just be depressed. I don't know. Good. This, this I, dude I mean, is I, like, I, all right, I, trade me. Let's get me traded by the deadline and get me to a team that might actually win a game. And nah, not happening. He's also played a lot of games this year. I mean, he's had injury troubles, you know, in recent history, and he hasn't had a lot of major problems this year. He's been on the ice. Yeah. The one thing that I, that bothers me is is his kind of puck battling, mm-hmm. which isn't something that I mean, the skating would help, obviously, but you know, it, it's a low speed thing, and he, he's not winning puck battles. Yeah. So well. I don't know. Let's let's hope to see better. You know, these remaining yeah. five games. Um, you know, if not for next year for the Colorado Avalanche, then for at least his trade value. <laughs> yeah, this has been the Matt Duchesne speculation hour. Um, hopefully, we don't have to do that anymore in the future for for one reason or another. Let's let's jump right to our our stars and scratches. On that note, um, I'm. Sure that everyone has the obvious star in mind, so I'll start with a different one, which is less obvious, but still a pretty clear-cut winner for me, and that's Finn Andergetto, who continues mm-hmm. to um, make his mark on this team and demonstrate that he belongs, with especially with the two-goal night in Calgary, um, with the way that he is able to play with McKinnon. Um, he's... I don't expect him to do this forever, and we'll get into this later when we have an expansion draft question, but I think he's been a real solid found money for Colorado. Yep. I yeah. say uh, not too far behind him, even if it's uh, primarily for the last game. i got to put JT Comfer as a star for this week. Um, well, this that's guy's the obvious probably... one, though. That's oh, the it one is? I'm calling obvious. Who, who do you think is the obvious one if not Comfer? <laughs> I thought you were saying Andrew Ghetto was. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Com- I thought Comfer gotcha. was, the, was the clear-cut best player in the Avalanche best effort. And then has been good every game. So, yep. number one star, JTC. Fine. We'll give him yeah. that one. So, who's our third? I don't, just, just to say something about Andrew Ghetto, I think he's looked fantastic. I think I, I think it, what he's doing now isn't sustainable, obviously, because of his shooting percentage. But, you know, I, I think he can... I, I think he can hang in the top six as it's probably going to be constructed next year. Um, my only... You know, my only misgiving about him is is he seems to take some penalties late in games. I'd rather not see. Hopefully, that's something he can work out of his game. And I really love what Comfer showed recently. I mean, a lot of people are trying to put a third center ceiling on him, uh, which I was reluctant to do. Um, you know, I, I I don't I, I I wouldn't rule him out from being a top six center. Yeah, I'm willing to make that concession too now. And granted, I don't watch nearly as much amateur hockey as Earl does. Uh, so most of 
my impression of him were, you know, from playing in international games and uh, hearing it down the pipeline. But uh, I definitely could give him a second, you know, uh, second center ceiling easily right now. He looks yeah. good. He looks like a won the trade kind of piece. Right. And and the great thing about Comfort right now is he has three goals and zero assists, and he's a wonderful setup guy and hasn't started setting up yet. Right. So he's going to get the points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a lot of upside still with his passing. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's a little bit of who he's been playing with, but um, you know, he was really good at setting up Greer down in San Antonio. Obviously, what he did last year in Michigan was very good as far as setting guys up. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a, a side of his game we haven't even scratched the surface of yet. So, a lot to be excited right. about there. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of player that, that, dare I say, might make you forget a bit about Ryan O'Reilly. So, yeah. uh, please, go for it. Make me forget. Yeah, do, and, and do it all while wearing 37. Yes, <laughs> please do. I'll just get my jersey renamed, and then I'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if I was going to nominate a third star, I think it'd have to be Pickard for, for the last game. Oh, just um, for that overtime alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, what? What? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, and and even the shootout. I even mean, especially knew, the shootout. Yeah, he knew what Tarasenko was going to do, and Tarasenko just kind of gave up at the last second. He's like, "Ah, shit, he knows." <laughs> <laughs> I've been made. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I've not had a ton of confidence in Calvin Pickard, you know, stopping goals on the shootout. And uh, I was really, really happy to see him, you know, Stonewall St. Louis. Yeah, that, yeah that, in the AHL, that was always, I mean, he would he would be terrible in the shootouts. And mm-hmm. that's something since he's gotten to the NHL, he's gotten a lot better. I mean, that might be Varley. Who um, is fantastic, always has been great at the yeah. shootout. So it, it might be a little Varlamov coaching, or you know, who, maybe Alaire has a little bit into that. But we know that Varley is very good at that, and you know, the communication between the goalies has always been good as far as mm-hmm. um, you know what what to look for. What, yeah, what to look for when when looking at a shooter and stuff like that. So, yeah. and, and that I think is- that information has been pretty good, you know, especially since the Patrick Waugh era. I think the goalies have been very good at communicating. It dates back before tendencies. that. I mean, the, the Varley Budai pairing. We we accredited yeah. a lot of Varley's early shootout success in Colorado with Peter Budai saying, here's the tendencies that we know on these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boots is the goalie whisperer as far as shootouts go, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that that may be something that's been handed down from goaltender to goaltender oh, <laughs> over the numerous <laughs> years. <laughs> Avalanche <laughs> tradition. That Varley has been here. No, it's, it's, it was cool, though. It was, I was... Because, I mean, Pickard was clearly just gassed. I mean, yeah. like, he made, like, that one skate save to start the overtime, and there was room between his skate and the post, and the, to the shooter just hit his skate. And then he's just yeah. like, <laughs> and you can you can see him just like, oh, my God, I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> yeah, that was great to watch. I still love three-on-three overtime. And it was great because remember when Mac was all gassed and needed to get off the ice, and the other two guys were changing. He passed it back to Pickard, and Pickard kind of just held the puck and stick handled with it for a little while, before, you know, until the change came through. And 
you know, mm-hmm. that made the outlet pass. Well, I love Pickard in, in overtime. I think that's an inefficiency in the NHL is goaltenders that are ready to spring the play in overtime. And Pickard is always looking for yes. that long bomb. Who can I hit? Can we go? Can we go? And McKinnon's just like, <gasps> no, just, <sighs> just hold it. <laughs> Need change. Yeah, I think more and more we're going to discover that having a great passing goaltender is going to be a game changer for three on three overtime. Yeah. And that's Farley's biggest weak point. So <laughs> yes, it uh, is. <laughs> that's that's the very, way. he's very good at covering the puck though. That's, that's yeah, generous. Ca- calling him a poor puck handler. I think is generous. Yeah. Yeah. He's the uh, worst. Like, he's worse than Bordy. Oof. Well, I don't know. You give Bordy a pass. Well, that may not be. <laughs> that may be. It's pretty similar. You gotta remember he's Where's not playing with a real Richard? stick. <laughs> yeah, battle axe. Yeah. So let's start at scratches. I'm gonna start with Boschman. Uh, we had yet another case of him yelling at a guy for not covering for one of his mistakes the other night. Right. We got the locker room report of him yelling at Soderberg. Yeah. Well, I guess it was shown on TV. Um, you know. <laughs> And we, we've seen him do that with Gregorenko, I think maybe three or four weeks ago. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I just don't see how that plays in, that well in that locker room right now. It can't. I mean, he's clearly trying to be veteran leader guy, and he just has nothing to stand on right now. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I'd, 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 I'd be scared of saying something like that to Carl. Because he's the right. Terminator. He might kill you. Exactly. <laughs> the one good eye just turns red, you know, and he turns at you all of a sudden, and the yeah. hand turns into a giant machete. If you told Carl he won the lottery, he would look at you deadpan and just say, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I could see Carl just thinking after that, like, oh, on top of everything else this season, i got to deal with this fucking guy. Right. You know? I mean, if that's Eric Johnson saying that, it means something completely different. Yeah, uh, and, and EJ would find a, a better way to do it because he's a better leader. He would, you know, like right, hey, people man, like Carl, him. You really, I, I was really hoping you were going to get that. You know, <laughs> even though I, we, <laughs> you know that there was no way that anyone was expecting that stupid around the boards clear that I tried. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, just, except for all Avalanche fans who saw that thirty-two was approaching the puck, but I digress. <laughs> Um, I feel like our our last discussion of of Matt Duchesne throws him in the scratch pile, and I will place him there. Yep, that's fine. Until we figure out there's a reason for his play, then that's where he belongs. One more? One more? How about uh, Joe Colborn? Yeah, where's he been this week? week? Yeah, he (laughs) can't... Got on the ice against his old team and immediately took a penalty that set the tone for the entire game. Right. I mean, that was 29 seconds into the game, I think. Yeah. That's pretty, what are you that's, thinking? That's pretty good. <laughs> he, he got it's on the score sheet fast. Yeah, he said, I'm going to get out there shift. and I'm going to get on the score sheet quick. Yeah. And he did. Now, that was tough to watch because, I mean, you know, I feel bad for the guy. I know he, you know, he, he wants to try hard. He wants to do good and everything. And this is his hometown and his former team, and and right off the bat that happens. Um, womp womp. Yeah, 
And they yeah. get scored on. I mean, set the tone for the entire game. It did. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, that, that made it impossible to enjoy the, the rest of the game. And I don't want to put that all on him, but, you know, that he was just what got the ball rolling. Um, but this is the type of play that deflates the entire bench. Yeah. And when you're a veteran player who's been around long enough, you should know better. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if you have a bad shift, it's better than taking a penalty on your first shift. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it wasn't a soft call. It was, you know, it's like that that quickly into the game, the refs aren't going to be distributing penalties based on who's moving their feet. I mean, that was just like, <laughs> dumb. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. Right. You know, I, I can give about, you know, another four honorable mention scratches to They're all the same guys. And, yeah. you know, we harp on it every week and I'm sick of tell, talking about it. Um, I'm <laughs> really ready for the. I was, I was going to say, then let's talk about something else, but then you kept going, so you keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I want to see that Francois Beauchemin era end after this year. I, I want to see a buyout, and I will start the GoFundMe page to make this happen. Put some yep. bucks in Kroenke's pocket, buy him out. <laughs> if anybody needs more bucks in his pocket, it's the KSC Masters. It is. <laughs> it's the only language he speaks. <laughs> so, um, speaking of ex-Calgary Flames... Um, obviously the Masterson Trophy is Craig Anderson's to lose this year. I don't see there's any any way that they don't give it to him. So every other team's nominee is a little bit, uh, like, you know, sir, sure. The kind of sir, sir, the word I can't say is sir, is uh, is unnecessary, and it starts with an S. <laughs> and it's it's super. And then there's something else, and that's where my mouth is refusing to say this word. And I don't have trouble saying this word. It's superfluous. That's it. See, I decided to dance around it. I knew I'd get there. Um, But the Avalanche um, branch of the Pro Hockey Writers Association has nominated one Rene Bork for Masterton. Uh, Sure. I mean, let's tell you how seriously the rest of the teams take this. Jerome McGinley was nominated for the same award for the Los Angeles Kings, and he's only been there since March 1. You know what? I I, I would nominate him here anyway. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Here's your good soldier award. I mean, instead, you're uh, you're re- attempting to reward Rene Bork for happening to sign with a team so bad that he's like your fifth or sixth leading scorer. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, you snuffed it out. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the, if you think about it, who else are you going to nominate? Uh, no, I mean. There's a lot Matt, of Matt Duchesne for managing to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, that that could be it, but you know, there's there's not a lot of choices on our team. Calvin Pickard for yeah. enduring some a horrific amount of you know high danger chances throughout the year. Yeah. I, uh, he's been used to that ever since he was a kid, though. Bad okay. media, people ragging on him on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is just oh. such a weird choice. Whatever y'all. it is. <laughs> We, we, know, we know it's going to Craig Anderson, but whatever, y'all. Yeah. Everyone yeah, should have nominated Craig Anderson. Every team that Craig Anderson has ever played for should have nominated him. Hmm. If he doesn't get it, there is no justice. Uh, <laughs> yes. Also in strange news, it's come out um, in a tweet from Elliot Friedman earlier today that the uh, the Avalanche are one of three teams interested potentially in the services of European free agent David Kampf. Kampf, David. It looks like David Camp. It's obviously, he's Czech. Um, 
that he is 22, and he has like 30-some points in 50-some games this year, which according to NHLE, uh, pro projects out to like 25 points over, over an NHL season next year. Hmm. NHLE stands for NHL Equivalency, and it's a project by several math head hockey people to kind of project from one league to the, to the next, to the NHL. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, how high do we hold the uh, Czech League? Um, you know, where does that fall in the hierarchy of European hockey leagues? Not high. I, I, I think if you, you know, if you scout it for, you're looking, you know, if you see a guy that can do something that you need, like, I, I don't think that they're trying to pick this guy up for scoring help. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's probably a solid two-way forward kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you might be able to find guys like that there. I don't see a problem with that. Right. I mean, you do need a new fourth line, do you not? Um, you know, we, we, we could always use a new fourth line, I guess. <laughs> Just rotate them out ten <laughs> games at a time. <laughs> yeah. If they start turning uh, into an avalanche fourth line, get a new one. The other two teams that were linked with, this, with, with David Kampf was Chicago, because Chicago has no salary cap, and they can sign whoever they want whenever they want. And Las Vegas, because they should probably be after everyone right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, not knowing anything about this guy, it's tough to say, you know, why the Avs want him and what he might project out to next year. But, you know, it'd be nice if they picked up another guy like this. Well, yeah. the fact that Chicago's after him gives me more confidence in this rumor. Right. <laughs> uh, because Chicago knows what they're doing. And if the Avalanche yeah. mirrored Chicago and their front office moves more often, they'd be a more successful team. So, please, by all means. <laughs> so, yes, we wish him well. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, he, he might just be for San Antonio for a half a year and then see where, he, where it goes for there. But, you know. Well, San Antonio is going to need players next year, too. So yeah, that's, they sure that's do. true. That's true. But we'll, we'll see. Las Vegas is going to need a ton of players for their AHL affiliate, too. So, I mean, it's the same mm -hmm. kind of boat there. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's no telling what the future holds for, uh, for Mr. Camp, who um, hails from the hilariously named Yerkov in the Czech Republic. Um, but, of course, this is Czech, so it's spelled with a J at the beginning, and you can fill in the rest. <laughs> Can't wait till Mike Haynes gets a hold of that. <laughs> <laughs> from where? <laughs> this guy's from Jerkoff? What the? <laughs> are, are you messing with me, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> so let's open up the phones for this week's conference call with the uh, MHH commentary. Um, we every, every, Do you throw up the open thread on both Saturday and Sunday? Um, yeah. Anytime there's not a game, you know, any, anytime we need a thread. Okay. Um, so we, we generally record the, the, the podcast on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, if we don't, it's for a special reason, and there's probably not time in the show for a segment like this anyway. Um, but we absolutely do appreciate any questions that you guys have. We've been asking for them for a while, but I guess no one ever RTFMs, so... It's not been I think everybody for a just while. suddenly got more inquisitive. Yeah, so no, we're, <laughs> right we're now. we definitely want the in, the involvement from you guys. We appreciate it, and I know that everyone uh, was pretty positive on the segment last week, so we're bringing it back. 
and I'd like to keep bringing it back in the future. Keep an eye on our um, keep an eye on our open threads on Saturdays and Sundays. Which, if we're recording that day, or we'll be calling for questions and uh, go through the comments and wreck the ones that you want us to ask because there will be times in the future when we can't have all of them. Either because there's too many questions or because we don't have a half hour to just fill anymore. So let's get started. Um, I, wanna, I want to kick things off with a pretty good one from Tempestuous Binary. I think it was so good he asked it twice. Um, might have been asked already, but I'm curious to know whether you guys think the Avs' recent showings against the Caps and Blues are a sign of Bednar's system working when he has the personnel to run it, or there's simply being more talent on the ice now, such as Joe's comfort getting comfortable and McKinnon finally showing up. <clears throat> I'm going to go with talent. Um, I, I think maybe defensively his system is, is working a, a little bit better. I think you know maybe having that much speed uh, allows sort of the the defensive and neutral zone portions of his system to work better. Um, I think actually in the offensive zone, it's just talented guys creating off each other. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of confidence in his offensive coaching and the power play still isn't that great. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a talent thing, but maybe now that that is in evidence that he can sort of work with that over the summer perhaps bring in a new coach to enhance his offensive coaching skills and, and really take advantage of that next year. Mm -hmm. I'd have to agree. I, I need to see a larger sample of games, uh, especially uh, a consistent sample of games to make that determination that the system's starting to work. I think we see evidence that it does work on the back end, like Earl says, but um, I think it's very clear when I'm watching that it's an influx of talent that's increasing the quality of gameplay in front of him. Yeah. Because I mean, McKinnon's line has been pretty good. Well, you know, we'd have to say probably for a couple of weeks now, ever since Andrew Ghetto went up there with, with Mac and Miko. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it looks to me they're, they're kind of succeeding in spite of what they're being coached to do. And let's make it clear too. It's not just because they're getting better talents. Uh, I think they're getting complementary talents. Yeah. which is uh, important to distinguish because you're not having, you know, giant slugs try to keep up with McKinnon. You're getting the quick and nimble and fast Sven Andrigetto, you know, just dart around and make plays. And he's creating space for McKinnon to, you know, deal and shoot. And he's got to have that kind of guy on his line. Yeah, and I think there's a there's been some really obvious chemistry between those three guys because – it, it seems like even after a couple of weeks, they, they seem to know what the other two are doing. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's incredibly helpful when you're trying to score. Right. I mean, half the game of hockey is played, you know, in the back of your head anyway. I mean, you're, you're having to be aware of things that are going on behind you. And uh, when you know that your guy's kind of, you know, skating in for a drop pass, I mean, it's a lot easier to play. Yeah. I mean, that, that would, yeah, the, the drop pass to Miko a couple of games ago. Um, Perfect. Like the Perfect. Calgary game or maybe the Washington game. You know, Miko said he, he totally wasn't expecting it, but, you know, he just found it on a stick and it worked. <laughs> and, it you know, really worked. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that sort of chemistry and, and being used to playing with a couple of other guys helps you out a lot with. And, you know, now that the JB's found three guys like that that work really well together and can produce... You know, we 
we can probably say for the first time all year, there's a real first line. Mm-hmm. If we can get Miko Ranton in that shot once per game, he's going to be a 30-goal scorer in this league. Yeah. Consistently. Next question comes to us from Cletus, who asks, why are the Avs dead set on not calling up a D-man while continuing to play future buyout Boschman and UFA Tutin? It really makes no sense. What am I missing? Well, isn't it kind of ambiguous right now whether or not Tyson Jost qualifies as their fourth call-up? Yeah, that's no, is that... it isn't. He doesn't count as it. He doesn't oh, count. So we still count. got the call-up? Yeah, it, it, it only applies to call-ups from an affiliated league, of which the gotcha. NCAA is not. Oh, there you go. <laughs> See? Learn something new every podcast. Well, yeah. So they do have, they have one more call-up. Um, you know, right now, Bigger is injured... Um, you know, Duncan is Duncan. I don't know why they, you know, if they, if they, they wanted to call him up, they've had all season to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Boykov is kind of struggling a little bit right now. Um, yeah. Is there really anybody that truly deserves a call up at the moment? I mean, I, you know, I'd say Duncan probably does, but yeah, I mean, the thing is they only have six healthy defensemen in San Antonio mm-hmm. right now. So I can kind of see why they might not mm-hmm. do it just for kicks. Um, Again, you know, whatever their plan is for season for Siemens, we don't really know. Um, so, Crazy. You know, either, he, either he's cool with it or they're moving on during the summer. Um, and a call-up right now really isn't going to change that one way or the other. Yeah, it isn't. You know, uh, but Bigra being injured kind of takes what most people want to see out of the question. So. Well, I think uh, what most people want to see is an end to the Francois Beauchemin, Feder Tutin reign of terror. I don't think they're particularly bothered with which body we stick back there. <laughs> yeah, be Patrick Burkosh, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you seriously. Know, I, I can see, I, I mean, I, I can't see any way they're going to scratch Beauchemin. But, I, I mean, I don't know why they, they won't put Beauchemin up with Barry and then put Patty with uh, Lindholm. Hmm. So. It's just yeah. mind melting that they continue to give ice time to Francois Beauchemin at this point. I mean, Tootin's worse. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have Beauchemin on the ice instead of Tootin, and, and I hate Beauchemin. <laughs> Beauchemin's mistakes are extremely visible. Tootin's yeah. are not always. Yeah. Well, he has some pretty bad giveaways. Woo. Um. <laughs> I'm not willing to distinguish between the two. I think yeah. they're both players I would very much like to see not an avalanche uniform next year. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in the big picture, Tootin makes no sense to have in the lineup if he's definitely not coming back next year. And I can't see anyone coming back next year. So right. yeah, if you've got Why some guy in the organization who might be like your seventh or eighth guy, you know, going yeah. into next year, why aren't you giving him some run right now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, now I'm imagining that the, a goal has been scored by some guy and I'm hearing it called out in the Pepsi center. And it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, because I mean Lindholm has been playing a little bit with Barbario, and mm-hmm. that's working out pretty good. And you know, Weirkosh is kind of a diet uh, Barbario. Uh huh. You know, he d- he doesn't have the scoring prowess, and he's not as quick, obviously. But they, you know, he kind of plays a similar game. So, you know, if, if Lindholm and Barbario can work together, it, it stands to reason that that Lindholm and and Patty could probably work together. So, right. 
And if we're executing my ideal off-season plan, it's going to entail having to qualify Patrick Rierkosch with a yeah. one-year contract. Um, in my ideal world, I think he's on the team next year as a, a reserve guy. Um, you know, one, because I think he's good enough to, but uh, also because I want to see him protected. Yeah, I mean, if you sign Patty, you get to protect Barbario, you know, if, if which is so ne- dreams necessary. come true with Boschman's bought out, which has to happen. Yes. Well, Please let that scenario happen. Well, y'all have gone <coughs> me straight to my next question, which is from Denver Max D. How do things look now in regards to the expansion draft? Who are the Avs likely to protect, given that we've seen significant contributions from Nieto, Andrigetto, and Barbario? Um, he's got a few assumptions set out here that I think are reasonably logical. I say he. I don't know. Um, but here's what they kind of look like. Ranson and Comfort, Jost and Greer are all ineligible, which mm-hmm. is correct as far as I know. And Lindholm. And Lindholm, okay. We're protecting McKinnon, Landeskog, Duchesne, Johnson, Barry, Zadorov, Boschman, and one of Nieto, Barbario, or Andrigetto. Um, so, and then the goalie protected is, is Pickard. The question becomes, what do you think? Obviously, Boschman is the pivot. If we can expose him or buy out, we can protect at least one of our young and fast additions. Are any of our Rampage players a concern at this point? No. Um, I wouldn't say that. I Like, Rocco Grimaldi is challenging for the goal-scoring lead in, in the AHL. And not that I think he's highly desirable or, you know, maybe an NHL talent, but... You know, out of everything in the Avs organization, he might be tempting. Is he eligible? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Las Vegas taking a flyer on a talent like that. I mean, why not? I mean, it's such a low buy-in cost. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, you know, well, after proved, a year, then... Yeah, he's proven in the AHL. He's probably under, you know, underlooked at, let's say, in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I would say out of the guys that I know won't be protected, he'd, he'd probably be at the top of the list of guys that are looking at. Mm-hmm. If our ideal Francois Boschman scenario doesn't pan out. Yeah, the um, ideal or, Francois Boschman scenario is the answer to the second part of the question, which is what roster moves are available to us to make the expansion draft work in our favor or at least not damage us unduly. I think that the base decision there is that Francois Boschman is, t- in no uncertain terms, told, waive your no-move clause. And if he says, no, I signed it uh, for a reason, then you say, all right, here's your buyout piece. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if he waves, he's still on the team, and I don't want that, so let's just buy him out. If he waves and isn't taken in the expansion draft, then you still buy him out. Yeah, that's cold, though. I mean, <laughs> former Vermonter put that out last night. I love the idea, but it's just, you know, that that's not going to play well to the crowd. I give a fuck. (laughs) I I sure don't either. And and I don't think he deserves any kind of veteran considerations, but you know, we know how Sackett thinks. And and the NHL at large, but that's, that's (laughs) the roster move. That's most, uh, that would help us the most. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. key is getting Boschman out of the situation that he has to be protected by whatever means that ends up happening. Right. Uh, Because I, you know, I really think that, that protecting Andrew Ghetto is, is almost a must at this point. 
Uh, right, but I value Barbario so much. Yeah, Barbario's been been really sneaky good too. Right. I want him on the third pairing next year, and yeah, I don't I, want. I think we need to protect both of them. So, um, you know, I did Matt Nieto, bless his soul. I mean, if they end up taking him, that you know, it is what it is. But yeah. you know, mm-hmm. out of those three guys, you know, I, I'd rather lose him. Right, I, I would agree with that. But I, think I really we're don't all in agreement. Andrew Ghetto or Barbario. So don't forget that teams can make trades with the Las Vegas not aces, and for, to be like, don't take this player. Yeah. I mean, they'll still get their their pick at the expansion draft, but you could say we'll give Las Vegas a sixth if they don't take um, Sven Andrew Ghetto. Right. Whatever whatever have- level of pick it actually takes, I have no idea how that would be valued. Um, obviously Colorado are not really in the position to give away picks, but if it's something low, then I'm down. Right, or even a prospect that you've just not, you're not going to give a chance You can to. have the rights to Duncan Siemens, just don't take Sven. Mm-hmm. Well, they have right. a window of 48 hours where they can sign anyone's free agents, be they restricted or not. Mm-hmm. And if they do end up signing a restricted or unrestricted free agent off of your roster, that counts as their pick. So if they mm. do something like before the expansion draft happens, they sign Wirkosh or Siemens or someone like that, or Grimaldi even, that would count as our pick, and, and the list is, you know, it's not even a consideration. It's so complicated. Mm. I didn't have any idea this was a thing. And I didn't either. I've learned two things now. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> the more you know <laughs> with our 06. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things that are going to play out within just a couple of days. That's going to be about the busiest week on our website than I've had since in my tenure. I mean, that's uh, a lot. It is quite <laughs> a lot. A lot of things that are going to be going down. There's a lot of moving parts. And the, the amateur draft is right after that, and then free agencies right after that. I mean, it's just like June. Back to back to back. Lock it in and rip the knob off. And then if you're a hockey podcast connoisseur... Every show is going to be breaking down Las Vegas's picks, so you'll have a lot to listen to. <laughs> Let's move on sure, huh? to uh, some questions from Chanta. There were several questions here. I picked a couple of them. Um, whom do you see from the Rampage making the jump with the Avs next year? Mm. Hmm. Full-time. I'd say the, the best full-time candidate is probably A.J. Greer. Um, he's kind of like we discussed last week, kind of hit the wall, maybe not playing so great lately. And then he got taken out by Gus Young on, on Friday night. He might've broken his ankle. Fuck you. Um, but, (laughs) um, he, he, he's probably the best candidate to make the team out of camp. Um, but I would say like Sergei Boykov is someone that's, you know, probably going to be fighting, um, pretty late in camp for a spot you know he'll probably be in the final 10 defenseman maybe mm-hmm. um depending on you know sort of who they pick up over the summer and, and how the roster looks going into camp but i could definitely see him sticking around a long time in colorado mm. um and, and probably being in the in the the top call-ups uh, as the season goes on yeah uh, another name I, I wouldn't like to see but you might have to out of necessity is spencer martin I mean, the Avalanche don't have a lot of goalie depth, and that might be something they're forced to do rather than what they want to do. Uh, I think the team's going to be in a position where they're going to need to sign a veteran goalie again. 
But uh, that is a possibility. I, I, you know, it, it, as long as Varley comes back and he's passable and, and Pickard is Pickard, mm-hmm. you know, Marty can stay down in San Antonio and have a, another full year of development, which he, he really needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah. He's just not consistent right now. But, you know, he has flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. You know, shows his talent. What what he needs is is to develop consistency and you know just to be able to battle through and, and win games. Mm-hmm. That's what the AHL is for. Next part of the question: Could Malosh crack the Avs lineup? It's toughie. That is a toughie. Yeah, my gut reaction is almost absolutely not. But I also yeah. know very little about the current status of Nick Malosh. Right. I think that's my more by virtue of his position, though. Uh, I don't think a defenseman's going to get quite the same opportunity without spending 50 games in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, I think he could definitely be on the fast track. I just think the fastest that track could possibly be is half a season in San Antonio. Yeah, he very well could be in the top eight defensemen out of camp, but they're you know they're not going to they're not going to have him on the bench in Colorado. Absolutely um, terrible plan. Don't do that. Yeah. But. I've seen a couple of the Islanders games recently, and, and you know he's he's really looked good. So, um, I you know I was just thinking the other day of sort of the the prospect core down there next year is going to be Malosh and Boykov and hopefully Will Butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you're you're really looking at some good talent down there, and uh, you know it, it, it's going to be some good depth that have. For the first time ever. Yeah, I just think by you know next year, early next year, after some of these players in the organization kind of graduate to the professional level, I think we're going to be talking about him as our top prospects. <coughs> you know. Yeah. No, I would love to see him become our Brett Pesci or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got all the right tools. Skates well, good size, uh, both offensive and defensive. Has had a pretty solid season in his yeah. overage year. And he's got a mean streak, and that's something that us could also use. More from Chanta. What type of player do you see Bodan becoming? Or is it Bodine? I don't know. Bodan. It's okay. Then I'm, I was almost right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not bad for a Southern Plains American trying to pronounce a French name. <laughs> <laughs> Boshaman, Bodan. Um, you know, again, without, without seeing him against pros too much, it's tough to say. I, I think he's going to be one of the top centers in San Antonio next year. Um, he's, you know, he, he's he's a very, I don't know, he, he can see the ice very well. Like, the, Ruin Miranda was down 5-3 to three on Friday night, and that the series is tied 2-2 two to two with Halifax. So it's, it's kind of a big game. Mm-hmm. And four minutes left, and he gets secondary assists on the two tying goals um, to get it to overtime. Um so you know he's basically the guy that starts the play on those, and it's you know he he's been that guy all year for Ruin Naranda. So I I think he's going to be, you know, a pretty special player as far as you know leadership and, and clutch and stuff that we hate measuring without statistics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just he he's got a great attitude about that part of hockey. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a pretty special guy. 
Yeah, I don't get to watch a lot of the junior stuff, but uh, every time he's been in one of the Avalanche's camps or development programs, uh, he's immediately stood out to me as a player with NHL upside. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to come into San Antonio and probably get perhaps a, a higher priority than Nantel, Julian Nantel. I mean, uh, that's where I see him ending up next year. Yeah, and I, I think you know, a year and a half from now, I think you could see him get some like fourth line look if they need a center. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to to get some time at, towards the end of next year. Yeah, you know, it, it really all depends on how things go. You know, for the first 40 games in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely someone that you, everyone should be excited about. King Forsberg is also looking at the rampage. He wants to know how has Begraw looked, I guess, in general. Um, is the imminent signing of Mironov, that's Sergei Mironov, right? Is that his name, Sergei? Andre. 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 Andre Mironov. Is the imminent signing of Andre Mironov a sign that he will most likely begin in the AHL next fall? Uh, do you see the latest injury he suffered as just bad luck or something that could impact his long-term future with the Avs? And has he played on the right side in San Antonio? He hasn't played on the right side this year. Uh, I didn't see his most recent injury. I don't think it's major. He's listed as day-to-day, but he's just he didn't play this weekend. Um, I, I don't know what to say about what the organization thinks about him. You know, I, he plays well. Um He's obviously developed a little slower than you'd probably want to see, but you know he's got talent. Um, you know, we we saw even last year he wasn't that great in the NHL, but he can handle it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's tough to see where he's going to fit in next year. But you know, I don't think the organization's given up on him or anything like that. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely a good guy to have in the system. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a lost season, and it started off with a concussion, and we've seen time and time again that players may be able to come back for it, but they aren't quite the same player immediately. Um, you know, that and some I, other I mean, lingering injuries. He's been fine since he came back. I mean, he doesn't exhibit any signs of being concussed. I mean, he's not right. slower or more tentative or anything like that. No Rick Nash sure. syndrome? Yeah. Um, I just think it's uh, he kind of had to start in the middle of a season from a standstill rather than having that nice rolling start that probably would have propelled him into the NHL at some point. If you want to talk about a last year, the last year started when he got called up and, you know, he really wasn't ready for it last year. Didn't look that great. Um, You know, got injured. You know, so, so basically last spring was a waste for him with the avalanche. And then, you know, he was out for most of this fall. So. Basically, from mid-January last year to mid-December of this year, he lost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't so, lose a season, but he lost 2016. Pretty much. So, you know, you almost have to look at him like he's sort of very early in his second year of development. Mm-hmm. I think so, a lot of us lost 2016. Um, <laughs> Tiger Vixen is also looking at the San Antonio Rampage and, a- and asks, why are their Rampage awful? Um, i've said this before i think that they just don't have any continuity of leadership Uh, i mean i I respect what they did last year and tried to bring in a lot of new guys and and bring in some veterans that would help them win but you know just sort of like with the avalanche buying dumb free agents that don't work out you you have to grow that you have to have you know your duncan siemens and your 
Rocco Grimaldi's that have been with the club, you know, for a year or two, or in, in Duncan's case, quite a few, and have that continuity of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they keep Duncan and if they keep Sam Henley, uh, those were two of their alternate captains this year, and, and they've both been with the, the club for um, Sam for three years and, and Duncan for four. You know, you're going to have that continuity of leadership and, and sort of have them be able to teach the younger guys you know, what the organization's all about and, you know, sort of have a, a consistency of team from year to year, which is, you know, basically they start out poorly this year because no one had ever played with anybody else. You know, I think there are three or four guys that were returning from last season. It just, you know, it took forever to develop chemistry. And by then you're, you're behind new coaching staff too. Yeah. It doesn't help that any good hockey player in your system has no trouble cracking the, the NHL lineup right now. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Anytime that somebody's even remotely on that level, they're just getting called up. I mean, a guy like Anton Lindholm probably wouldn't be seeing the NHL for most hockey teams. He'd be still in San Antonio helping them out. I don't know. I'd say Lindholm deserved it from down there. Uh, Yeah? Yeah. I think he would have gotten a call up on, you know, probably anything but a bubble team that, Mm -hmm. you know, just couldn't afford to play a rookie. Yeah, Um, I'd be interested more next year just because the Avalanche have so many you know, players that should be graduating from the junior level that should be impact players. Um, yeah. If they've got the right leadership, if they've got good supplementary talent around them again, uh, if you're getting good European players that come in and make a difference, uh, like you could really make improvement. Yes. <laughs> like Dave from Jerkoff. Jerkoff well, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and another thing is, all right, so we've got new guys coming in like Baudin and Malosh and, um, ben Storm, who just played right. his first game, right? Exactly. Well, all right, but, but those guys have been in, in the Avs org for several years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like they're coming in from like the Devils organization, like a bunch of the the free agents did this year. Like those guys are familiar with what the Avs are doing. They know the Dev staff. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not like really bringing in a, a guy that knows nothing about the organization. They're not mercenaries, you know. They're not yeah. coming in to collect a paycheck and play some hockey. They're invested in the organization. Exactly. So, and, and you know that that really does help. You know, through rookie camp and, and through training camp, when you've been through several of them. So, I mean, I think all these you know AHL free agents are, you know, they understand their role. They understand that there's plenty of other players on this team that might not necessarily be better than they are now, but organizationally they're a priority. You know, they're going to get that call up before they would. Yeah. Um, been quite a bit of that in the last couple of years. Well, our next question is, um, a really, really difficult one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you were the Avs GM and you lose a lottery and you're picking fourth, which is statistically the most likely outcome from the Avalanche perspective, would you draft who you have as best player available, or would you trade down to stockpile picks? This is from DB Hammer. Um, you know, it's, that's something that has proven to be very difficult in the salary cap era to mm-hmm. trade a top five pick. Um, I think it would be something that the Avs should definitely investigate but they probably end up like every other team has and keeping the pick. And, you know, I, I would hope they, you know, there's going to be someone good there. 
you know, the, there's more and more guys that are sort of pushing into the top five conversation right now. So whoever right, they you've got getting, more gonna... national voices saying like, oh, this draft isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, mean, I mean, you're not going to get an NHL ready guy. You know, that's that's the one thing. There's no one that I could see available at four that will be NHL ready. And that's, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I would love to see them try to trade down and, and, you know, see if they could really clean up with some picks. But it just, I just, I don't see, you know, it's just really tough to value that. It's really tough to come together on a value with another team. Well, you so, have to have another team too that really values whoever's available at that fourth pick. And yeah. if you're nonplussed at that position, so somebody else, most likely. Right. So it's like the only people that would really fit into that are probably people that are picking maybe tenth to fifteenth. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like there's there's probably a big difference. Um, you know, like if you're sixth or seventh, I can't see being all that jazz to move up. Uh huh. So yeah. Yeah, the most and likely outcome of a, of a trade down would be the Avalanche picking in the mid first round and a, another pick in the mid second round. Yeah, which that would be definitely a scenario we have to consider. I mean, you could stockpile a lot of talent that way, and you know the Avalanche needs some. So I hope it's something they would consider, but uh, you know, hopefully that scenario is just you know not even a thing. I want to see them draft in top three, so. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even if they pick first, I'd love to see them do that. Uh, I think it would yeah. benefit the organization, regardless of whether they pick first, second, third, or fourth, to trade with someone and, and have three picks instead of one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trade down from one to seven or something like that, pick up a second rounder. Doesn't matter where. Like, if, if I, I think they need some volume in this, in this, in the next year's draft. Like, if they could trade this year's top pick for you know, a, a first in the middle of the round this year, plus another second, and then maybe next year's first or something like that. But I mean, it's like, think about a team that would do that. Is there yeah. one? No. Especially on top of like a Duchesne Hall. I mean, that'd be a really significant draft. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be teams who do it. I mean, there's teams that don't get a lot out of their, you know, first round draft picks and want to compete right away or compete in a year. Um, I mean, there's teams that are willing to gamble. Like two first-round picks, though? I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of tough. I, I would say you could probably get a maximum of two picks and maybe a good prospect out of it. That'd be really mm-hmm. nice. I don't know. Or, you know, how about a 2018 first-rounder? You know, if you're not willing to give it up this year, maybe it's next year. Take a gamble. Well, see, then, I mean, if you're the Avs, you really need something in the first round this year because that – if, if you don't get a first-round pick this year, that means you have one pick in the top 100. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, just uh, you know, first-rounder this year, first-round next year. Yeah. I mean, if that's a package that somebody's willing to give up, consider it, because then you have the ammunition in 2018 when you might have you know, a better record, aren't picking first, you know, and might want to move up yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as, as soon as the lottery happens that, that Joe is probably going to let it slip that you know, they would be willing to listen to offers on you know, wherever they're picking. <laughs> I'll guarantee it. Right now, we hear that rumor. Yeah. Yeah. Just calling it. Everybody prepare yourselves. We yeah. will hear that rumor. They're, they're not out there drafting another Nathan McKinnon. They will not have their conference call just to say, hey, guys, we're, we're taking the pick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, I still like the guys at the top of the draft. So, you know, I don't, I I think there's a lot to offer there. Those, you know, uh, between Patrick Kishier and, you know, Tippett, I think you're going to get a guy that could really help your organization out in a hurry. Um, Despite everything we've heard about Patrick, that guy is probably the best hockey player in this draft by leaps and bounds and can play in the NHL next year. If he's healthy, Um, which he never is. Right. Just stay healthy, guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be a conscious decision. Stay healthy. And finally, Patrick Olson is looking ahead to our show next week. Uh, This is the last... uh, Next week will be the last show of the regular season. We have our last games um, coming up this week. And uh, Patrick is looking ahead to end-of-the-year awards. He wants to know who we give the Passenger of the Year award. (laughs) <laughs> so many quality candidates yeah and so my my solution to this is we don't really have time to to come up with a full end of the year award today so i thought maybe we could nominate some names um and mm-hmm. we'll maybe we let the fans vote on this one and then come back next week with uh with some decisions weighing their input very heavily and uh with some more awards as well what do you think sounds good Sounds good to me. All right, so my my number one nominee for Passenger of the Year goes to Balake Como. <laughs> Bilake. Mine goes to anyone who was born before I graduated high school. <laughs> uh, you know what? Hot Carl Soderberg is going to be probably my top nomination. Where the hell did you go, Carl? I don't even think he's on the bus. I think he's just like riding the bumper. You know? <laughs> he's like a passenger, but he has to sit on the outside. He, he doesn't even get to ride hump. He's just like hanging onto the back. Yeah. He missed Here, the bus because he couldn't see it. Maybe he's resourceful oh. and he's got some roller skates or something, but, you know, he ain't on that bus. <laughs> Not inside of it anyway. <laughs> Although it, he may be having more fun if he's hanging onto the back with skates. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know what that fun looks like. So who are who are those names that you've got for us, Earl? Because I don't. Okay. Um, last night, uh, Avs 2013 sixth rounder Ben Storm made his uh, AHL and pro debut mm-hmm. with the Rampage. Um, if you if you're not familiar with him, he's a gigantic youper. He's six foot seven, about 230 pounds. He's coming out of St. Cloud State. And Did he, he leave his head on the scoreboard at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know. Dan Weiss is talking about how big he is, and he's standing next to the goalie for the the um, Stockton Heat, who's six foot six. So I was like, Oh, oh my god! Well, good thing yeah. he doesn't have to skate under the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was because he he screened that very big goalie for uh, one of the Rampage's goals last night. He's the only guy that can do it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, specialist and you know he got a shot on goal he looked pretty good for a guy you know in his first pro game yeah Uh, i mean good for him by the way yeah um the the abs also signed an uh an amateur tryout uh named brady shaw from the university of vermont a couple weeks ago he's been practicing with the team we kind of got the 411 on why he might have been chosen to sign with the Avalanche's organization. His, his dad is a Columbus Blue Jackets assistant coach. Um, but he also made his debut last night, and he looked pretty good. Um, he's not related to Andrew Shaw, is he? No, he's not. 
Um, okay, it's fine. Just had to make sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and if you, if you look at his AHL page, he, he's got his picture from UVM there, and he's got a handlebar mustache with waxed ends. It's pretty sweet. What? Whoa. Okay, we're going to win this. <laughs> Hold on. Can we just get our new favorite player? <laughs> he doesn't have it anymore. I saw he had an interview last night after the game. He does not have it anymore. Where do I find this? Uh, on, go to AHL.com and look at the Rampage's roster and, okay. and click him. You, uh, you, you made me talk through a gummy worm, so... I hope it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I just did the same exact thing. <laughs> but yeah, he had a pretty good uh, night as well. He got a couple of shots on goal. Um, UVM is a you know it's a really intense defensive type club. I watched them play my alma mater Colgate in a game a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know they reminded me a lot of you know maybe the Blue Jackets uh, of old or maybe the old Wild very. You know, very solid in the neutral zone, defensive zone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you found it. <laughs> I just got a hold of this thing, too. That is fantastic. Okay, this is the... Brady Shaw, you are the anti-1T, Matt. You have eyebrow mustaches. <laughs> uh, uh, so. uh, yep, I have a new guy I'm rooting for. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, Brady Shaw. Good. So I, I would assume I'm. We're going to be seeing him in in Dev Camp this summer and at, at rookie camp and maybe even real camp. Brady, uh, if you're listening, oh, you oh. better have that mustache when you come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fan vote thing, dude. You got to do it again. <laughs> yes. Does he have God. a Twitter handle? We'll make this happen. <laughs> that is quality. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> yeah. So you know. What we lack in uh, in quantity, we we've definitely made up for in in height and mustaches. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, going back to Ben Storm, though, I, I did not expect that guy to you know get a contract from the Avalanche. So that's uh, really surprising. Yeah, he's uh, almost I mean, in a good way. I, I don't get to watch a lot of this stuff, so he's just a little off my radar. It's it's really fun. Like I, you know. You'd think a guy that huge is probably a poor skater. He's really not. Like being a defenseman earlier yeah. in his career has has helped that a lot. But it's really fun to watch him as a forward make little mm-hmm. positional adjustments because he does it like a defenseman with bas- backwards crossovers and stuff. <laughs> so he's actually pretty agile at low speed. Yeah. Um, so I, I was in, I was impressed with his skating because I know that was kind of a concern and and, and it looks like. Working with Tracy Tutton over the summers has helped him a lot. So, right, you know, he, he might be a good guy. I don't know if he's AHL ready with a full roster right off the bat next year, but you know, he'd be a good guy to have in, with the Eagles going back and forth. And, you know, you never right. know. I want to watch that dude with Loveland. Yeah. And uh, I also want to watch Gustav Olhaver play with him, too. So, can we make that happen? The Twin Tower offense? You bet. Oh, God. The offense of Tower. Tower. <laughs> David Robinson and Tim Duncan, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny in, in the post-game interview. They're talking to Storm, and the, the guy interviewing asked him if he was going to try out for the Spurs too. <laughs> <laughs> Get that one-two punch with Kawhi Leonard, right? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure 
he's been asked if he can dunk before, let's say. <laughs> and if he hasn't, AJ will as soon as he gets the ass. Yep. The first chance he gets. <laughs> so let's go ahead and look ahead to the final week of the season, which has finally... Guys, I'm so looking forward to this. Mercifully arrived. Um, coming up uh, on Tuesday, home game, the Chicago Blackhawks are in town, 7 o'clock mountain on altitude. On Thursday... Wouldn't that be cool? Just gets to play Taves in the second game? Yeah, his third game. Third game. Yeah. On Thursday, get your split screen ready because the Minnesota Wild are in town for a 7 o'clock mountain start, which is also on altitude. But on ESPN2 at 7.30 mountain, DU takes on Notre Dame in the Frozen Four. Cam mm-hmm. Morrison versus Will, Will the Butcher. Butcher Butcher. Will the Butcher Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to stick. Then on Saturday, Colorado take to the road to end the season um, with a game against the Dallas Stars on altitude at 6 o'clock mountain. And then on Sunday, we end it back-to-back on the road because why not? Against the St. <laughs> Louis Blues, an early start, 4 o'clock mountain. And that, then that's it. That's it. The uh, NCAA <laughs> championship game will be on Saturday as well. Um, at 8 o'clock Eastern, so 6 o'clock Mountain. Big night for hockey. In America. And we're guaranteed to have a prospect in the final game. It's true. How good has Cam Morrison looked in these playoffs? He's kind yeah, of made an impact. Yeah. He scored the two, re- two goals in regulation in their um, win in the quarterfinals. So. Oh, did you guys get to talk about him last week? No. No. Oh, dude, uh, I'm kind of stoked. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch him play a game. It, Notre Dame's tough to watch, I'll, I'll just say that. Mm. They're very defensive. Well, the Frozen Four is pretty sweet. It's, I, re- I really enjoy watching it, so I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully uh, hopefully there'll be two really interesting games to watch at the same time. Because yeah. Minnesota's free fall may still be continuing. We'll see. Um, <laughs> obviously, that, that game is happening in a couple of hours tonight. Um We'll, we'll go ahead and include it in our predictions because, I mean, what else are we going to do? Why not? <laughs> not? Uh, clean gonna... sweep, 10 points. Oh! Ooh, here we go. Um, <laughs> Earl's got jokes, I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I can predict, you know, at least let's predict six points. I'll go optimistic. 51 I... points for the year. Yep. Yeah, maybe that's the real prediction we should be making. Do they hit 50? <laughs> I think they definitely hit 50. I, I, okay. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they got if they won all five, just because I'm irrationally exuberant. I don't know why they wouldn't be, but um, you know, I, I think they can. I think they can get six points out of this week easy. Yeah, I can. I can justify your rationale. Yeah. Well. If we're still making that joke, we are. I don't think we'll ever get through the end of the season. I don't think we'll ever stop making that joke. So I should probably just learn to deal with it. I just don't think you can. If you guys are going to force puns on me, I'm going to force fun facts on you. One team in the league has a goal differential of plus or minus one hundred. Guess who it is? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Is it the team in last place? <laughs> it's the team in last place. They're also last place in goal differential by 
45 goals. Yeah. So they're close is what you're saying. Very yeah. close. I mean, that's just like a couple of what, months worth of games. What, what is the goal differential now? Minus 107. Can they get under 100 for the season? That would be a trick. If they can get over 40 points and under 100 goal differential, how huge would that be? <laughs> Hey, just gave us something new to cheer for. Yeah. Let's do it. It's good, it's good to have goals. <laughs> They're plus eight in the next five games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that could happen, but this team doesn't tend to win by more than one goal. <laughs> they or, don't. Or lose by, le- by less than two. So It's not in their favor, but we're going to be optimistic in our last week. I say it happens. Five well, shutouts and Pickard. It's all we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or one good blowout, you know? Yeah. Just 10-0 the Wild on Thursday. Yeah, if, it, if we pull a Montreal and Minnesota on Thursday, 10-0. Oh. And that's after you give them a touchdown today. Yeah. Right. Then it's easy peasy. We could get under 90. Well, if we get touchdowns or Montreal's or even Ovech tricks in the next week, you know, you can find out here. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to the My High Hockey Podcast, which you can catch on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash My High Hockey Podcast or on MixCloud at MixCloud.com slash My High Hockey Podcast or on your favorite RSS catcher or on iTunes. We will be a day bela- delayed next week as we're recording the season finale on Monday. It will be released on Tuesday morning or Monday night if you are savvy to my ways. You can catch the latest ads, news, and updates at milehighhockey.com, which you can follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey, or on Twitter at milehighhockey. We have one more week to power through, and then we can start to look at the uh, the, the playoffs, where hockey's actually fun to watch again, and be, go ahead and be undefeated for next season before anybody else. So keep your head up, stick to dirty areas, and we will break everything down next week. Now all you have to do is just edit out my uh, Minnesota prediction of not making the playoffs because I hadn't looked at the standings in a little while. <laughs> yeah, the, the West is set. It's just a matter of who plays who. Right. <laughs> like, oh, snap. Oops. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll get disqualified if we beat them 10-0 twice. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, never mind. You know? <laughs> The NHL Playoff Selection Committee has convened, and um, we've decided that we would rather give Jerome McGinley one last chance at a cup than to let this abomination through. For the good of the sport, you're out of here. You have been relegated to the OHL. It's not like Boudreaux's ever going to do well in the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> oh.